Does it make sense to study made-up religions and something not real, such as magic and the pagan gods? Let's break down realness and usefulness in the study of religions. Hello everyone, I'm Angela and welcome back to my channel. Today's topic was inspired by a discussion occurred on Twitter, which mirrors quite a few comments and DMs of the past. And let's not forget dinners with family and friends, seasoned by the random relative addressing my research as weirdo stuff. Because there's always gonna be someone who's gonna challenge my research in one of such ways. I can summarize the various questions I get asked on the topic of realness and usefulness of my subject matter into three main ones. Is it useful or valuable to study made-up religions? Why do you research something which is not real, such as magic? And how do you assess the truthfulness or legitimacy of your informants' experiences or answers? These questions hide underlying assumptions, the most notable being there are religions which are fabricated as opposed to those which aren't. What is made up bears less value to academic research than what is not. Magic is not real, and hence those who practice magic, that is my informants, are delusional. So here's my take on all of this. As I addressed in one of my publications, people don't usually acknowledge that their idea of the world always, always underlies a specific philosophical underpinning. The world is never given to you and perceived directly. There's always some kind of interpretation going on, which allows the external perceptions to be understood and categorized one way or another. This explains why at different times in history and across different cultures, the interpretation of the world and of what is real changes dramatically. In contemporary Western countries, the most widespread paradigm is the one based on positivism, which takes its roots into the Cartesian dualism and sees our perception of the world as split into two. The solids and measurables versus the material and and unmeasurable. Since a positivist worldview aims at getting a positive, certain knowledge of the world, it presupposes that only what is measurable and accessible through the criteria set out by natural science are valid objects of knowledge. If you can't wait or measure it or repeat it systematically, it's not valuable, it's not true, it's not real. But can we really assess whether something exists or not on the mere basis of measurability 
mobility and repeatability. The field of philosophy that deals with the inquiry over the existence of things is called ontology and dates back to Aristotle and his speculations around whether things exist in and of themselves or only in our perception of them. Also, do things exist absolutely, as in for everyone and everything, or just relatively, as in only for some group of entities? And is their existence a social construct or an innate state independent from anyone's perception? These are all questions which have found different answers over the ages and by different philosophers. What matters for us here is that we should not assume that there is one way of assessing the existence of any element of which our experience is comprised, as there are many. So back to our question, does magic exist? There's already a video on the channel where Dr. Jack Hunter tackles the topic, so I'd suggest you watch that one as well. Whether magic is real or not, from an ontological standpoint, meaning whether it exists outside of our personal belief system, depends massively on the philosophical interpretation of reality we choose. And do remember, we all have a philosophical underpinning to our perception of the world, regardless of our awareness of which one it is. If you were an empiricist, you would only admit the realness of what can be perceived through the five senses. Whereas if you were an idealist, you'd see all phenomena as manifestation of your own consciousness. A Kantian would say that the real reality is unknowable, and someone whose thoughts were in line with Foucault would deem realness dependent on the social construction of that very concept. My point is that there is no one answer and that is extremely arrogant, in my opinion, to blatantly say magic is real or magic is not real, especially when these statements come from people who have no clue of the philosophical underpinning from which their opinion arises and often don't even acknowledge the fact that they are are, in fact, producing thoughts on the basis of one theoretical framework or another. Thus, whether magic is real or not, from a philosophical or ontological point of view, depends on the theoretical framework you submit to. Moving on onto the usefulness of studying my subject matter, I have to premise that my current research is in the field of anthropology of religion. In anthropology, we study human experiences and how they relate to, affect and are dependent on personal, interpersonal belief systems, sociocultural and political elements, and so on and so forth. As a consequence, understanding religious beliefs and practices of any kind will give us insight into the cultural fabric of that one specific place, as well as the dominant theoretical frameworks and the role they play in the society of reference. Studying social behavior and interactions is essential to understanding the world, as our world is not only made of things, but it is also made of people. And people are made of thoughts, beliefs, and meaningful actions. Even an 
especially those groups which diverge from the dominant views, can help us understand the intricate patterns whereby our intersubjective reality unfolds. Because the anomaly has still arisen from and produced by the same wider cultural network which encompasses both the dominant and the alternative views and beliefs. This should also answer the matter of fabricated religions and gods. Anthropologists and religious studies scholars study all religions as cultural products. There may be older and more popular religions or spiritualities, but there is no belief in the world which holds no value to a religious studies scholar. If anything, a new religion can tell us something about the contemporary world and which cultural patterns and ramifications have allowed that religious movement to emerge and take roots. And a minority religion can enlighten us on certain groups of people and what adhering to an alternative worldview means for a human being in a certain context or whether that specific belief is particularly appealing to certain kinds of individuals and so on and so forth. So to conclude, it is extremely extremely fascinating to me and I did choose this subject matter because you cannot really understand the world and reality without exploring its fringes, shadows and occult facets. This is it for today's video. Hope I answered exhaustively the questions which were the premises to this video and let me know whether I did or whether there's something missing and I'm happy to answer all of your doubts and questions on the, on the matter. I also welcome your feedback and I actually really enjoy engaging into conversations in the comment section. So do leave me your thoughts and questions and doubts and everything. If you like this video, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, activate the notification bell so that you won't miss anything out and as always stay tuned for all the academic fun. Bye for now!